Good evening. Hello, and welcome to Here's Johnny's Reviews, the movie review podcast that'll slice and dice or praise and hype a movie. Each and every month there's a thing. This time, however, is slightly different from July through September. It's the Summer of Shocks, which is my look at Stephen King movies, Piranha movies, and this month's movies, Hitchcock movies. Starting with the birds all the way through to Dial M for Murder. And here we have it. The birds, Hitchcock's fall up to Psycho. Fun little story for a dive into this thing. My mother went to see this back in 63 when she was 16. And the movie scared her so much she refused to go to work the next morning due to seeing seagulls sitting on a washing line outside the house. And that is the power of Hitchcock. The movie is based off a short story written by Daphne Demurer, Demurie even, who also wrote Rebecca and Don't Look Now. Hitchcock read the book and loved the idea, so bought rights to it, and now we have The Birds. This is noted as Tippi Hedren's first movie, and would join a long line of Hitchcock's Atomic Blondes. This movie is also one of Veronica Cartwright's early movie roles. With a budget of $2.5 million, this thing pulled in $11.4 million, not adjusted for inflation. So let's rustle some feathers and see what Hitchcock can do with the bird-demic premises. Premises? Is that the right word? Eh, who cares. Will this be a murder to cover, or will this be a catwalk? Starring Rod Taylor, Tippi Hedren, Jessica Tandy, Suzanne Plachette, and Veronica Cartwright, written by Alfred Hitchcock. The plot, a small seaside town, is terrorised by birds after a rich con woman brings a private detective, some lovebirds. Can these feathered fiends be stopped? Why are the birds so jealous? And who can stop them? Find out here. So, the movie opens up on squawking birds and a murder of crows flying by. Then they attack the camera. After two minutes of this, we're introduced to Melanie, played by Tippi Hedren. Ah, she heads to a San Francisco pet shop, and note, while crossing the street, that's real San Francisco, circa 1962. However, when she walks behind a billboard, it cuts to a studio, as Hitchcock hated shooting outside. Because he was a fucking control freak, but then moving on. She looks up to see birds circling, then enters the store, and cue the Hitchcock cameo, as he enters the pet store with two dogs which were his dogs and treated like kings, getting the finest steaks from the butchers every single day. In the store, she asked the owner, Mrs. McCrudy, played by Ruth McDivitt, uh, where her minor bird is. The old dear goes into the office to call her suppliers because there's not one in store and it's supposed to be there at three o'clock and it's now ten past three or some bullshit like that. This gives Melanie a chance to write down her address and should the shop already have her address and telephone number? Kieran. And we have time for hijinks. As in walks Mitch, played by Rod Taylor, who thinks Mel works for the store and gets her to pick out a pair of lovebirds. Uh, lovebirds? Subtle Hitchcock. Very subtle. The birds fly free. No matter. Mitch quickly catches them inside his hat. Then he tells Melanie he knows who she is, really. It seems he's a lawyer or a pilot detector. It's not actually clear what he actually is because one minute he's a PI next minute he's a lawyer so hmm. as I said it's not really clear she's a con woman and a rich socialite so okay and hold on here he's buying these lovebirds for his sister who is aged 11 yet he's about 32 
That is some bloody age gap. I've always thought this little girl was his niece or his daughter, but not his little sister. I mean, what the f... Moving on. She doesn't seem to like to be tricked, even though she's a prankster herself and doesn't take kindly to Mitch making a fool of her. Okay, this early setup is a bit weak, but the faster I move on to the kills, the bloody better. Due to Mitch's little prank, Melanie doesn't stand for that, so she goes out of her way to write down his license plate and then stalk him. Okay, a tad extreme love. He just proved uh, you know nothing about birds and then said a judge should have jailed your ass for smashing a pane glass window. Anyway, she stalks him by calling the local paper to run his plates. What the fuck? <laughs> I mean, a bit extreme love. Wait, she's a prankster, a con woman, newspaper reporter who has a boyfriend named Daniel, yet she tracks down Mitch and falls in love with him. Okay then. She orders a pair of lovebirds for the next day. Uh, wait, wasn't that lovebirds she let loose? Moving on. Then takes them to Mitch's apartment the next afternoon, where a nosy neighbour tells her Mitch is away for the weekend at his mother's, and she best take the birds with them, because they'll die otherwise. So... He tells her exactly where to find him. I no wonder murders were fucking so high in the 60s and 70s. People were too willingly nice to hand over details and such, you know? I mean, hmm. He tells her Mitch is at Bodega Bay, only an hour and a half away via the highway. Instead of, oh, I don't know, returning the birds or asking another neighbour to look after him. Until Mitch returns, she decides to drive 90 miles just to pull off a prank. Really, love? I mean... This is a tad extreme. Just because he caused you to lose face, you're going to drive 90 miles and go through all the problems of buying the birds, getting the petrol, driving there, da 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 da, da for a fucking prank. <sighs> anyway, off she drives in her pink shag carpeted Aston Martin convertible with two lovebirds laying as she corners. Nice touch, Hitchcock. Nice touch. Arriving in town, she heads to the post office to ask where Mitch lives. She's told across the bay. Hiring a small boat, she crosses the bay and here she's attacked by seagulls. And note, the seagull wasn't real. It was a stuffed one on wires and Tippy had her hair, quote, lacquered so much it was like a helmet. With only one strand of hair loose, which was used to hide a blood pipe. Also, None of the scenery shots are real. These are all matte paintings done by Will Ferrell. Apparently, these were so realistic looking, even fooled the editor. And wait, I've done this thing wrong. First, Melody heads to the schoolhouse to find out where Mitchie's little sister's name is. Again, this is all a bit much for a bloody prank. Here we meet school teacher Annie Hayworth, played by Susanna Planchetta who is new in town and an original draft was supposed to be blamed for the bird attacks, but that was changed to Melanie, who is blamed for bringing lovebirds even though she had a boyfriend. These birds are fucking judgmental little shits, are they not? The school teacher tells Melanie Mitchie's little sister's name is Kathy, not Alice or Louise, as the postmaster thought, because apparently the postmaster's a fucking idiot and the mail's never delivered. Also, why does he have a New England accent and not a Californian accent. Annie acts all jealous towards Melanie, so she heads to the docks to take the little boat ride to the other side. And here is the girl attacked. And I got it wrong again. She heads to Mitchie's mother's house, uh, sees them leaving, so cuts out the motor and paddles all the way over, leaving the word 
Cloughbirds inside with a note for Cathy, or rather, she just walks in and leaves the bloody birds. How exactly is this a prank, by the way? I mean... With that, she heads back to the docks, and finally she's attacked! After she spies on him on the water, he spots her and jumps into his car, racing to the other side of the bay, as she putters in her two-speed boat. Finally, she's attacked by a judgmental seagull, who aren't standing for this lame-ass prank, or the fact she's cheating on her boyfriend. Like I says, these are judgmental little fucking feathered fucks and all. Mitch rescues her, however, instead of taking her to a hospital or a doctor's, he takes her to a seafood restaurant to patch her up. Really, mate? You're going to just stick some fucking iodine in her head and that's her why? <sighs> Here she finds out he's a lawyer and he finds out she's a stalker. Run, Forrest, run! She stalked you down for three days and found out exactly everything about you. Yeah, mate, slap an injunction on her ass and get the fuck out of there. <laughs> she lies to his face, telling him she's friends with Annie and she'll be staying the weekend. Uh, why isn't the prank over again? How is this a prank? She bought the lovebirds, drove all the way to Bodega Bay and then hired a boat. A tad costly for a joke, is it not? The two just argue as he sees right through her bullshit. Then why not just send her packing then, there and then? Mm. In walks his mother, Lydia, played by Jessica Tandy. And the mother here is a little Mrs. Bates for my liking. But moving the hell on, as Mitch tells her, she, he has invited Melanie over for dinner for that night. After this, she heads back to Annie to ask for a room she can rent for the night. Uh, God, the balls this woman. First she tracks down this guy, and then talks her way into dinner, and now she's renting a room from the one person in town that doesn't actually like her, apart from Mitch's mother. Wow, she's ballsy. I have a theory that every single female she meets hates her, hence why the birds are all attacking. So that night, Melanie heads to Mitchie's house for dinner, wearing the same green suit and fur coat. Couldn't she have picked up something else to wear while in town? Surely this fishing town has shops. I mean, there's a there's a scene in it where she picks up out a nighty. So why not pick another outfit out? I mean, uh... in fact, she wears the exact same outfit throughout this entire movie. And he would introduce to Mitchie's little sister, Kathy, played by Veronica Cartwright, in one of her early roles. And note, she had a 13th birthday party on set, and Hitchcock gave her a sketch of his silhouette on a blank of wood and signed it, which she still has to this day. Seems there's a problem on the farm. The chickens won't eat. Now, if all birds all over Bodega Bay are attacking humans, then why aren't chickens? This is the same problem I have with Maximal Drive. If all machines are attacking humans, then why aren't the cars? It's only trucks and small planes. Also, while I'm at it, why not just fire off the nukes or unleash another chemical to kill off the humans instead of circling a roadside diner? But that's for another podcast. After dinner, while playing the piano, as you do, Melanie is grilled by Mrs. Brenner as to how she knows Mitch. Meanwhile, the little sister asks her to her birthday party the next day. And wow, these people are far too nice in the 60s. After all, these folks don't know Mel for shit. Isn't she a cold woman prankster with a rich father who just so happens to own the newspaper she works for? Hmm. As in the kitchen, Mitchie's mother grills him as to how long he's known Mel. He calls her dear. What the fuck? He tells her he met her 
the other day in a pet store where he made a fool of her. So she bought the love birds, drove all the way to Bodega Bay after tracking him down just to leave the gift and get even. How's that a prank? Hmm. Okay, I'm getting heavy psycho vibes from Mitch and his mother, Mrs. Brenner. He calls her dear and darling, uh, whereas she doesn't approve of any woman he brings home. Okay then. Outside, seeing Mel off, Mitch asks Mel if she really knows Annie, to which she says no. So he knows she's a bullshit artist, yet still wants to, to date her. Is he a gold digger, or does he just want away from his creepy-ass mother and nosy little brat of a sister? He blatantly hits on her, but she's having none of it, and speeds off in her shiny Aston Martin. Mitch looks up to see it. Dozens of crows are perched on a telephone wire outside his house, but thinks nothing of it. Returning to Annie's, the two girls bitch and warn about Mitch while drinking brandy, as you do. Seems Annie is Mitch's ex. A bit of a playboy, this Mitch is, is he not? That's two girls he's lorded up from bloody San Francisco. Playboy much. Annie then goes on to tell her Mrs. Brenner hated her and she has great power over Mitch. Again, psycho. Seems the husband died four years earlier. She chases away any girl Mitch has taken to see her and the psycho vibe is strong with this one. By the way, check out Marquise as I covered him earlier. After uh, that little chit-chat, uh, Mitch calls to speak to Mel to invite her to Kathy's birthday party. Ah, uh, this sparks off Annie's jealous side. Uh, with that, they head to bed, not before a seagull headbutts the front door, killing itself. Because of course they would. Next day, at Kathy's birthday party, which is as lame as it sounds, Mitch tries to get Mel drunk on martinis. How very 60s. She's having none of it, however, saying she has to go back to San Francisco in the morning as she has to go to work. She explains to Mitch she's a bored, rich socialite that is jumping from fad to fad as to keep herself entertained. We also find out she hates her mother. Uh, can we just get the carnage ready? This is getting a tad boring and a tad slow. Finally, the seagulls attack. Maybe it's just me, but this is a bloody bit boring the whole well they want this stuff is boring just get to the fucking kills the girls swoop down and attack kathy and her friends and my god am i that trained to love excitement and action a little bit of a slowness makes it boring wow god damn you hollywood fucking a uh, note some of the children actually had live seagulls attached to them using strings whereas the rest were friendly girls that are told to swoop down and attack. So that's real seagulls attacking these children. As soon as it starts, it's all over. And note, these attacks are based off an actual attack, that, well actual attacks, that happened to a seaside town between 1960 and 1962. Mel starts to wonder if it's her that's causing these attacks. As she puts it all together, she was at every single girl attack from her own to one at Annie's the night before and this one at the party. At Mitch's mother's house that night during dinner, sparrows and finches fly through the chimney and they engulf the house. Notes the finches aren't actually there due to them just sitting around so the attacks had to be acted out um, and the birds were added in later. Also the entire set had to be netted to keep the birds from nesting in the rafters. Because um, Rod Taylor told, tells a, a story about how one crow was trained 
uh, Charlotte I believe his name was and it would swoop down and attack him every single morning and he fucking hated that thing <laughs> anyway moving on Mitch blocks the fireplace using a coffee table and Mel gets Kathy and her mother out after attack the police is called who at first doesn't believe the story until he picks up a dead sparrow's body from the floor even after finding the dead bird he still doesn't believe the story so Mitch tells them about the gut attack from earlier but he still doesn't want to listen you know, as if these fucking useless cops are, well, useless cops, even in the bloody 60s. So this useless cop doesn't listen about the seagulls, the sparrows and the finches. And why the hell wouldn't he listen? I mean, the humans have been attacked multiple times. After all, there must be hundreds, if not hundreds of thousands of birds in this bay. He doesn't seem to give two shits. God, useless cop. <laughs> Next morning, Mitch burns the bodies of sparrows in a bonfire as upstairs Melody pretties herself up. Mitch's mother drives over to the next farm over to see her friend. Too bad he's dead with his eyes pecked out. And note, his eyes were painted yellow and then blacked out later. Why yellow? I have no idea. Something to do with the superimposition or some shit. Moving on. Screaming out in terror, Mrs. Brunner races back home to... Oh, I don't know, overact and fuss. I swear to God, she just faints and has tea for crying out loud. Mitch heads over to the farm, leaving Mel to deal with Mrs. Bates' light. Mel gives the old dear some tea, but she rants about how the dead farmer's face will haunt her forever, and then tells Mel to get Kathy from the school. Before Mel can go and fetch Kathy, Mrs. Brenner lays the guilt on thick telling Mel she misses her husband having a man around the house to talk to but of course she then says Kathy is only a child but she needs a real man to talk to okay then the directors of Cycle 4 watch this and take notes I'm getting heavy Mrs Bates vibes from this old dear a dominating demanding needy old woman jealous of any girl or woman the son talks to yeah Cycle 4 much Leaving the batty old woman alone, Mel heads to the school. And note, according to Tippy and the crew, they felt unease filming at this old schoolhouse. And it wasn't until after she found out that it is indeed haunted. Hitchcock, of course, knew this and loved it and just continued to film on and on and on. Apparently it's now a real house, so whoever's living in that house, good luck to them. <laughs> Mel sits outside the school, listening to the children sing a song. Uh, while having a cigarette. All the while, crows are landing and filling out a playground playset. The kids exit and are attacked by the murder. Note, once again, birds were tied to children's back. Also, they were all running on treadmills in post-production. More crows were added to make it more scary, but there was about 50 or so crows during this attack, so it's been bloody fun. Hitchcock says... Only 50, as I said, only 50 were, were used, the rest were stuffed, but still, 50 bloody crows. Fuck that. <laughs> One of the little girls falls and is pecked badly, screaming for Kathy for help. So Mel runs over to save them both, hiding in an unlocked car, until the crows fly off. When the attack is over, Mel calls her father uh, to report what happened. Of course he doesn't want to believe it, nor does anyone else in the world the restaurant want to hear it. Not even the town busybody, Mrs. Bundy, played by Ethel Griffiths, who goes on to school Melody, but the difference between crows and blackbirds, it seems she's some sort of bird expert. Yet she doesn't know what birds can actually attack humans, you know, if you've been to a seaside. Hmm? Anyway, note, this whole speech the old woman 
did was done in one take. Anna impressed to be hedging so bloody much. She gave her some sort of gift. Anyway, the town drunk, the town drunk rather, pipes up. It's the end of the world. And does a quote from the Bible because of course he would. Because why wouldn't you? Mm. A fisherman pipes up. He had trouble with gulls the week before. Therefore, it couldn't have been male. And her bringing the lovebirds to shore because they attacked the week before. So, hmm. A salesman comes into the restaurant, telling them they should kill them all, as birds are nothing but vermin and scavengers. This ticks off Mrs. Bundy. She spouts about the 7 billion birds in America, and that would be impossible. A mother is concerned her little dears are getting upset by the stories, so she demands everybody to shut up. Mitch walks in with the one useless cop in town to spread more fear, telling them about the dead farmer. Uh, no one seems to bat an eye, however. Some small fucking town this is, you know. I mean, two people are now dead. Actually, one person's dead. And this didn't spread around the place like that. Yeah, that's not a small town. <clears throat> Until the girls, seagulls that is, attack again. And here we have it. The seagull attack on a petrol station, which causes someone to drop a pump as the gas leaks. Uh, it gets lit by the drunk salesman and he blows himself sky high, also his car and indeed the station. The rest of the girls swoop down to attack and note the quote bird's eye shot, or as Hitchcock called it, the god's eye shot is two paintings laid on top of each other with the fire added and the seagulls were added much later. Every time someone, or something rather, has a halo around it, it means it was added later and this was done by Disney. All the patrons leave the restaurant to help out, and here Mel is attacked, who runs into a phone booth, which is then attacked by a seagull, and note, Tippy Hedron was told the glass was unbreakable, yet when the puppet smashed into the glass, it shattered and went into her eyes and into her face. She had to sit in makeup for hours, having tiny pieces of glass removed that took all afternoon, apparently. Mental note, never hide in a glass phone booth. It never helps. See the blob review. <laughs> The town is swarmed, and all oh, hell is breaking loose. People are crashing their cars, people are getting their eyes picked out, even a horse and cart is attacked, all while the petrol station burns to the ground. Mitch gets Mel out of the phone, boat, phone booth, rather, then hides in a restaurant, which is empty, until they find everyone hiding in a corridor. The over-concerned mother from earlier casts the blame on Mel, and she's indeed cast out. And note, that slap Tippy gave this woman was done for real. The attack is over, so Mitch and Mel head to Annie's to get Kathy out. Unfortunately, her house and indeed the school is now covered in crows. They sneak past them, finding Annie's dead body, and Kathy is hiding inside. Mitch gets them the fuck out of there. So much for the smart ass Mrs. Bundy, who says birds don't attack humans. Yeah, love, clearly you haven't been to the fucking seaside where seagulls will dive bomb the food to clean out your fucking hands. Mm hmm. They all pile into Mel's Aston Martin and just drive off with Kathy telling them what happened, i.e., she went outside after hearing the station explode. They were attacked and Annie pushed her inside as Annie was picked to death as Kathy watched from the window, crying as she did. At Mitch's mother's house, Mitch has battened down the hatches and has the house tight as a bloody well drum. The birds amass out at sea for some reason. Mel tells Mitch the phone lines are down yet still have power 
why won't the birds kill the power? On radio, it reports events from earlier, so it's not nationwide in just one small seaside town. Maybe it's all down to the lovebirds then. Mitch and others hunker down for the night, until birds attack the house looking for a way in. And note, Hitchcock played a slow beating drum on set in order to get a reaction from the actors. It got faster and faster until Tippy Hedren screamed and burst into tears on set. The girls break in, attacking Mitch and Mel. And she spins off the walls and bounces off the walls. What the fuck? Uh, Kathy and her mother is just a crumbled mess on the floor. The sound here is cut. Everything except for birds squawking. Yet the actors clearly have lines as their mouths are moving. Why did Hitchcock do that? Mitch goes to bandage his cuts and here he notices the girls are pecking through the front door. So he comes off with a coat rack which has a mirror on it for some reason. And note, this was crew members with hammers with beaks on the end of them smashing through the doors. The birds then finally kill the lights. Melody hearing wings flutter heads upstairs into a bedroom where she's attacked by crows, gulls and other birds, fitting a huge hole in the roof. And note, Hitchcock was throwing live birds at Tippy Hedren. Indeed, she has a real cut under her eye and she had to have this thing stitched. Uh, but apparently she had birds stitched into her coat that were on thin wires and they were not happy one little iota. So that's a real bird pecking at her feet and pecking at her hands and etc etc. These were real injuries apparently. Yeah, no. Fuck that. I don't give a shit if you're the great Alfred Hitchcock. Fuck that. You are not stitching live pissed off birds to me as it's pecking at my fingers, pecking at my eyes, <laughs> pecking at my ankles and what else out there pecking at? Fuck that. And note, this a bird attack took a week to film and Tippi Hedren was so tired afterwards that she fell asleep for over a day. Therefore, the woman Mitch carries down the stairs is a body double. Mitch rescues her and carries her downstairs where his mother cleans the wounds. They all go outside to find hundreds of birds just sitting around waiting. And what annoys me about this final attack is Mel doesn't scream for help nor try to escape. She just throws her hands in the air and frills them around like a fucking useless, I don't know. Also note, apparently when Tippy saw what her face looked like after the bird attack, she threw up. Anyway, as was saying, Mitch goes outside to see hundreds of crows waiting for him. So he brings Mel's car around the front, yet there's thousands more birds outside there and not one of them attacks the car. I mean, okay then. They all ride off into the sunset as credits roll. So, that was The Birds, one of Hitchcock's best. However, this could have been cut by a good 10-15 minutes. I hate the mother. Nothing is explained. And I started to hate Mel and Kathy towards the end because basically all they do is scream, especially the little girl. However, the suspense is good. The gore effects is great for the time. And this taught us not to trust little birds. I'm going to give this thing a 7 out of 10. Come back next week as I'll cut vertical. Then I select a few of Hitchcock's classics. September is Stephen King movies, October is House on a Haunted Hill, November is Night of Movies, and December is End of the World Movies. So don't forget to like, share, comment and subscribe. Also follow me on Twitter at Here's Johnny's Pod or email me your suggestions too. Here's Johnny's Reviews at gmail.com. Check out my other horror franchise podcasts such as House, Aliens, Omen, Hellraiser and more. Also, my solo podcast of They Live, Dracula, The Fog and many more, a 
buy. And remember, I watch these movies, so you don't have to. Now off to show away the flock of birds sitting on the windsill. What's the worst that can happen? I well everybody's heard about the bird. Bird, bird, bird. The bird's a winner when the bird, bird, bird. 